This episode of The Sleeper and the Bus is brought to you by Out of the Park Baseball 18, the best baseball strategy game ever made. Available now on PC, Mac, and Linux platforms. It's officially licensed by MLB and MLBPA, allowing you to take any team from any era, from any level, and run it the way you want with unprecedented depth, control, and authenticity. New for this year, 2017 opening day rosters, historic Negro League integration, run the ultimate what-if scenarios, tournaments, fall leagues, a redesigned injury system, an improved 3D game, real-time presentation, and game highlights, improved player morale, and team chemistry, and so much more. Out of the Park Baseball 18 has the full sleeper in the bust stamp of approval. We all play it and have for years. Even better, if you buy now through the Sleeper in the Bust podcast, you'll receive a special 10% discount off the retail price of $39.99 by going to ootpdevelopments.com, click on the order banner, and just enter the code SLEEPER18 at checkout to not only get a discount, but also help support the Sleeper in the Bust, indie sports video game development, and all the people who work to bring you the great game of Out of the Park Baseball 18. Once again, just go to ootpdevelopments.com, click on the order banner, then enter the code SLEEPER18 at checkout for a special discount and to support our show. Guys, I, I'm obsessed with this game. It is so much fun. Um, I played a lot of OTP17. You guys have heard me talk about my Twitch streams, twitch.tv slash peacefor24. I was streaming my 17 franchise over there. I, I, I did a fantasy draft in 1995. I was able to get Ken Griffey Jr., and Pedro Martinez. I don't know what the computer was thinking there, uh, letting letting both of those guys get there. I took Pedro with my first pick, and then and then got Ken Griffey Jr. I haven't started my new eighteen one for um, for streams yet, but I'm going to. And I'm actually just gonna gonna start over. I, I I won the World Series that first year with the with the seventeen team, but I'm gonna start a new one. We'll do the draft at some point soon, so stay tuned for that. But out of the park is is just so much fun. You've heard me talk about. Uh, other baseball video games I like, they're, they're two different experiences. This is the sim, in-depth, management sort of deal, and then the other game is, is playing. So um, I absolutely love this game. One last time, ootpdevelopments.com. Sleeper18 is, is your discount code. Uh, that lets them know that we, that we sent you there, and they give you a little bit of uh, a little bit off the top as well. If you do play the game, let me know. Let me know what you're doing with it. Let me know what, uh, what team you're going with, whether you're starting historically or going from now. Uh, if you do the fantasy draft, hit me up on Twitter, at Spora. I love kind of seeing how people go because it, it doesn't just play out 100% to, to history. Things can change and you can have guys you know you can have a failed prospect that actually pans out for you so i I love seeing that stuff definitely hit me up there um and 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 thanks for supporting the show by by going to ootpdevelopments.com Welcome to episode 482 of The Sleeper in the Bus. It is Thursday, July 27th. I'm your host, Paul Spore, joined by Eno Saris. Eno, we are fast approaching the trade deadline. How's it going? It's good. It's good. I, I wish my leagues, my leagues have suffered a little bit with all the stuff that's going on. The moves got, are hurting you? Well, I've got two or three leagues that I really want to win this year. So I'm still in labor. Um, and... Uh, Auto New Experts League. I'm in second chasing Chad Young. I just need a bunch of saves. Hopefully. Coming for you, Chad. Yeah. And uh, 
my my home league that I actually play in a, a, against a lot of political consultants. Um, I've, I've I've won that league four out of every five years, so uh, yeah, I'm in gotta, second right now, and I need to win it just to yeah, you got to just to keep, keep, keep going. pace. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, that's uh, that's good to hear that you're having such a good season. I'm not gonna lie, I'm having a pretty good season too. So, I hope the fact that we're both having quality seasons is is translating to to our listeners um you know not i'm not trying to brag or rub it in i just uh, up and down my standings I, you know what i think really helped too and this is pretty obvious no one's going to be surprised by this but paring down leagues as i have mm-hmm. uh has paid major dividends it it it, it really has and uh, you know the 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 numbers i used to play were just they were just silly let's be honest but um, pared down, I have 10 because uh, actually Mike Podhorser was, was making fun of me a little bit. Um, we were talking about some players. He traded us. He traded Jason and I, Aaron Nola, for Ken Giles. He's like, does Nola have a zero ERA for you guys? And I was like, not quite. You know, it's like a 160. And I was like, said something about how I acquired him in another league. He's like, yeah, but you play 100 leagues. You have everybody. I was like, dude, only have 10 leagues. I do not have everybody. It matters when I have somebody these days. So... Um, we're going to talk a lot about rookies today, you know, because uh, they're interesting as always. And I think this this is probably not like the greatest rookie class from a depth standpoint, but it's been high impact. And I think this is the time of the year when there can be a lot of rookie game changers, right? After the trade deadline, the losing teams kind of clear out some spots for their rookies. We're already seeing Chicago do that seemingly every other day. Um, and, and you have a chance. That, and those are going to be the guys that are available, too. So we're going to talk a lot about them, and we're going to start off with the question of the day. Aaron Judge and Cody Bellinger are near locks for Rookie of the Year. In fact, I would go so far as to say they're locks. I'm not sure anything that can happen to change it, but Gary Sanchez did have that crazy two months, and if one of these rookies that we talk talk about does that same thing, maybe that runs up uh, Bellinger. I think it would have to happen in the NL. But anyway, apart from those two, who has been your favorite rookie this year? It's funny, I... I was at the batting on the batting tab of the rookies, and I was like, "Well, I should go and look at the pitchers." And I was like, "Oh God, what I?" No, no, that yeah. <laughs> notice, notice our rundown is very oh hitter God. focused oh because Lord. pitching uh, rookies it, it, it has not been a banner year for them. It's it, it, and it's like I'm sure it has to do with the juice ball and like just because, like coming into the league now as a as a rookie must just be terrifying. Right, especially you know you you figure some things out, you suppress homers in the minors, mm-hmm. and you come up, and everything you give up is a homer. And you're like, what, 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 what am I doing wrong? This yeah. is ridiculous. I uh, mean, so, yeah, that's it's not to tough. say that you know Jacob Faria has been pretty exciting, although he's lost yeah. two ticks on the gun, which is a little bit uh, disappointing. Jordan Montgomery, I think you know everyone listening here got the jump on that, um, and he's been league average-ish and maybe has a little bit left in him um, beyond. If and, he... I, and, I, and I'd say plus in, in deeper formats, which I think a lot of our listeners play. I think he's still been a plus asset, particularly in AL only. So if you got mm-hmm. the jump on him in those leagues on account of listening to us, I, I, I think I think you got some nice benefit there. That's just my guess. And then there's, I think, the really interesting cases of Denelson Lamet. Lamet? I, I think it's Lamet. Lamette. Well, it's been it's been pronounced Lamet. I don't think he's French, so I don't know yeah, if it would be Lamet. So that, why would he say it that way? That's so weird. And then um, Luis Castillo. Yes. 
not the second baseman. Those two, I think, are very interesting because they have plus plus stuff, minus minus command, and minus 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 for for Lamette. Yeah, I, I've I've seen bouts of of average to even plus command for Castillo. Bouts being like but, innings, but but Lamette never. But then Castillo also has sort of straight fastball. So correct. Uh, whereas Lamette has a little bit more movement on his fastball. Those guys are, you know, you could look at them and say you're fundamentally flawed, or you can say, wow, that's a lot of velocity, a lot of strikeouts for a young guy. And I think, I don't think there's somebody to target unless we're talking about deepest, the deepest of leagues um, in terms of dynasty and stuff. But I do think they're really interesting throw-ins. Like if you were trading a veteran for a package, I'd love to get Lamette or Castillo as the third piece. I completely you know, agree. Just yeah. a, a lot. That's that's your live arm. That's your high. Like if you were a real GM, that would be your high A, your high A arm. Hold on, hold on. Exactly. Okay. And um, cat, freaking cats. I'm telling you. I don't know how many times I Why can tell the world. Why is he pooping out of the kitty litter? What is exciting about the kitty litter? His poop's in there. He wants to see where that last poop is. That <laughs> oh my god, they made a disaster piece this week. I don't even want to. Talk about <laughs> it. They they no. <laughs> Wait. Freaking cats. Now he's playing yeah. with the thing I threw at him. All right. We're leaving all of this in, by yeah. the way. So don't, <laughs> don't, right. don't curse but, and make me edit it because I want to leave it in. Uh, let's go to batting because batting's more exciting. Okay, got, yeah. But I, I agree with you, by the way. Uh, Castillo, Lamette, those are guys that you'd be targeting as throw-ins. Let's jump over to hitting a lot deeper. Try not to talk about too deeply about the guys that are on the list, but I know you might have to mention one of them. Right, the guys that we'll get to. Um, well... Yeah, I mean, I, cu- I cut you off if I say who's your favorite, and then I get, you know, don't let you talk about any of them. Right. But don't mention I have every to, single one. I have to talk about the stat cast, darling. I, I, yes. can't, I, can't, I can't not talk about him. Brad Zimmer is the second fastest man in baseball, at least at top speed. Mm-hmm. And he's also one of the tallest in baseball, so he's a freak of nature. He, his arm rates at the very top as well. It's and easy, he has the hardest hit balls on the Indians this year. So wow, I didn't know the last piece. I yeah. knew about the, the 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 speed and everything. I mean, he but... is really like a product of the Statcast era, either a product or a uh, a star for it. But you know, and also you know, with the rising strikeout rates, it doesn't matter as much that he's going to strike out at least a quarter of the time. It does maybe limit some of his upside but if you can spray the ball around we've seen these guys like judge has i think probably a true talent 340 350 batting average on balls in play well and so zimmer's walking at a nine percent clip which i can take i can take a 26 percent strikeout rate when you've got nine percent walks yeah you know, actually, that, that the piece i'm working on nicely. for tomorrow is 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 the tim anderson piece about the guys who strike out four times more than they walk <laughs> Oh my goodness! Apparently, uh, there's a lot more than these days. That that is, I mean, that's just amazing. I feel like, listen, we we, we know that we're in an era where strikeouts aren't the end of the world, but you you get to a certain level, you have to balance it out. I mean, is nobody saying like talking to these guys like, can you take a walk? Can, right, can and you wait for something, even if you still strike out. At least you get deep into account. You're going up there hacking it three pitches in a row. What the hell are you doing? And is that exactly? Is that really? Something you want to pat yourself on the back for a day with five plate appearances, one walk, and four strikeouts. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't think I don't think that's uh, you know right home to mom about that day. So, so Brad Zimmer, I, I really like Austin Barnes. I think has done a lot in in L.A. I don't know 
what it means for him in terms of career and you know are they going to trade Grandal or 27 year old um, can actually play different spots too though so catcher uh, I think he's played some infield yeah third base second base so I wonder if he can be an interesting utility piece for them he's been a a, a C2 darling for me in yeah, an NL only that's the kind of guy he is for sure and I, I sought him out so I, I feel good about that one he's delivered way more than I thought. A 952 OPS, six homers, four stolen bases in 145 plate appearances out of a C2 and an 11-team NL only. Like, yeah. I, I can't even put into terms how much value that is. And here's a name that I don't think, is, I don't see it on your list, uh, that no one's really talking about and in some ways very unexciting numbers, but Manny Margot for the Couldn't Padres. fit him in, so I'm glad you bring him up. Um, go ahead. He, He's, I'm intrigued by him. He's a major league player. I mean, he's he's Definitely. close to that four strikeouts for every walk line, but you can do you can walk that line if you play, you know, defense well. And I know the defensive numbers aren't amazing for him, but I saw him take a ball away, and I know that's just one anecdotal thing. But I think he's a good defender. So, and also I think the Padres don't care right now. So in some ways, for fantasy, we don't care. They're, he's their center fielder. And, well, and um, also, is, is it? And I, I don't know if you're going to cover this in the piece when you're talking about the four times strikeouts versus walks. Does it matter when the strikeout piece is, is closer to twenty than when it's closer to thirty, or does it not matter if it's four x regardless? Right. You know, I don't. I, I I don't know if I'm going to. I think it's more of a state of the game piece where it's like sure. with power where it is, you can live with this guy. I'm thinking a little bit about Paul DeJong. Paul DeYoung. Yeah, Paul DeYoung. I Paul looked DeYoung. it up. It is Young. We are going to talk about him, but you can you can hit on him here. I'm going to well, do a just, comparison. You know, if you've got that big power and can play good defense, then your play discipline becomes less important. So, and for Marco, it's a fantasy thing where we always talk about how few stolen bases there are, and he's got the second most stolen bases among rookies. And you know, I'm not sure Brad Zimmer will continue to steal a lot of bases, considering that I think he'll be a middle of the lineup guy. Whereas Margot is going to be near the top, and I think he's going to derive personal value, if not statistical value, from stealing bases. So, you know, this year I think he'll end with sort of 12-20 numbers, which will be sneaky good. The and 12 then, is the impressive part, too, with Margot. Right. Didn't necessarily well, expect to see any pop there. I know he hit a few right yeah. off the bat. Uh, but, but, I mean, and I know it's not... Like major, I thought he was going to be a single-digit guy for a full year, Manny Margot. Uh-huh. So the fact that he's pushing, he could push double digits with his stolen bases and and passable average at the top of a lineup. I like that. I wonder if Zimmer will still run for a couple years, though. Maybe down the line, if you're if you're really mapping it out, I could see him running less. But I think these first couple years, this one next, and then I guess we'll see where it's at in, in well, nineteen. Well, what kind of what kind of a season do you see out of him next year? I feel like there's like, going to be a little step back. I mean, he's just uh, yeah, he's I, come I, on such fire, and he's got this high BABIP. And I, I think it'll be like two sixty five, twenty five, twenty, something like that. I think the batting average will, will take the biggest hit. Yeah, but the power and speed will still be there, and he'll still be a beast. And everyone will say he was a disappointment because they're going to overdraft him. But I do think the batting average comes back. Uh, to the pack a bit. He hit 270 in the minors. The fact that he's yeah. hitting 294 right now is huge for Zimmer. Um, 
But I mean, I think he's gonna. I, I still think he's gonna run. That's that's the main component. He's on high say. floor. Like you might be able to do one of those things where, like, I bought Francisco Lindor this year for maybe a little bit much. You know, in AL labor, like I paid twenty nine bucks for him or something. I and loved I, it at the time, and I and I, I, st- I still I don't, don't hate it. I don't hate it now, and he could have a good finish the season. The nice thing about it is, I bought a heck of a floor. I mean that you know, no matter what, he was going to play every day. You know, I mean, I guess injury, but you know, aside from injury, he was going to play every that. day, get good runs totals, and they were going to run out there every day for his gloves. And I think the same thing is true of Zimmer. He's going to be their center fielder. There's nobody who can play center field better in the organization, and he's paid and he's done enough with the bat where he's now a fixture. So I agree. You might have to pay for like you know two ninety twenty twenty. But if you get 260, 2020, and you actually get it, you know, you, you get a decent floor out of it. And I think you can get a boatload of uh, runs and ribbies uh, in that lineup, too. I don't see that lineup really falling off. I agree with you on Lindor about the high floor as well. And that's why he's a guy I'll be, I'll, I'll be targeting for years down the line, too. I know that there's some uh, flaws in his game this year. It looked like he sold out for power a little bit. He's kind of turning that around, 311 batting average in this month for Lindor, uh, boosting him back up from 250 to 266. That's a guy that I think has a skill set that it's hard to go wrong with. I think he'll kind of get back to what he is and realize that maybe 15 homers should be about the cap, but upper teens, stolen bases, high batting average, uh, just a ton of runs and solid RBIs is, is where uh, Lindor should be because, I mean, I, I, I think that's where that's his sweet spot for his game. So, um, yeah, interesting names there outside of, of course, Judge and Bellinger. They get plenty of love. We talked about them a lot. That's why they're not getting much hype here. We're focused on the kind of next level of, of rookies. Although, and we're also going to talk I, One about- thing that came up in my chat today was very interesting. I, I early on was saying, you know, I think that Judge's true talent batting average on balls of play is probably 340, 350. And we were saying, you know, with that strikeout rate and that true talent batting average on balls in play, he's probably a 260 hitter. I No, I said, I think it's on record. I said he's a 310 hitter through July. I think I said that on August 4th, or April 4th, excuse me. I said he's guaranteed 310 hitter <laughs> with 32 homers. I don't see any flaws no. in his game. So don't put that on me, dude. That's that's all. I'm just kidding. Listen, I, I couldn't no, have I'm been just more wrong. A lot of people saying it's the, it's the, the home run derby thing. But oh, absolutely! I think it was Which just it was coming from anyway, and that's actually a hard thing to get out of the research. You have to take out of the research the fact that a lot of the people who were picked for the home run derby were that's going to regress. The bias. They they were so they, good. They were picked that because they, were they had going so many home back. runs, and they were yes. they were hot. You know, so he has it, a one seventy one batting average. You know, in the second half, and um, you know, uh, a two forty six in July. I think that two forty six number you know could be a little bit higher but uh you know 246 376 478 that's you know maybe a we little knew bit more something slugging, was coming but we we knew yeah we knew it was coming it, it had to like yeah. and it's not a slam on him and it's not to go back and say hey we were right from earlier because it, it was a super miss but the pace that he was on it just unless he's the next trout it couldn't hold. Also, it just it and, would just break baseball. There's nobody who's had a 400 exactly. batting average in balls in play ever. Like maybe one season, but like nobody. I think there's three guys, and they were not power guys with 30 percent strikeout. Yeah, they were they were speedster guys. So, uh, you know, so A, and then B, we know that you know the there's been like two guys who've had a 300 batting average with 30 percent strikeouts, and the average is more like 250. So, 
Yep. You know, you always bet on the field. You have to. And, and you know, I, I don't I think he'll still have another surge, too. I don't think Judge is done for mm-hmm. the season, but there was going to be a, a comeback. And you're right. Everyone's going to say um, home run derby. And I just I, I think you'll continue to lose if you blame the home run derby for things or, or maybe not lose. You'll have a bad process, good outcome mm-hmm. because, duh, bet against the guys that are in the all star game and the home run derby. Um, the, the the newer guys too, not even like the the yeah. stars who get in on on reputation who might not even be having the greatest season, but I I just think you're going to lose if you continue to say that. Oh, you know, home run derby it's going to ruin him. There's individual cases, but in the aggregate, it doesn't ruin guys. All right, you know, let's talk a few pitchers here and then dive back in on the hitters because I think that's the most interesting aspect of these rookies. Uh, Luke Weaver called up for today. Uh, to start, I believe, against the Diamondbacks. Tough tough landing spot, but I'm a big fan of this guy. We saw him in the Arizona Fall League a couple years ago. Really intrigued by uh, by what he can do. Eager to watch his start tonight against Zach Godley, another guy I like watching. I love when there's a, a duel of two guys mm-hmm. that I enjoy so I can zone in on the whole game. What do you think of Luke Weaver? you think this is temporary or a little bit more long-term? And would you project a trade if you if you think it's long-term? Well, I mean, I, I know that the Cardinals are looking for something. I don't actually know why he's up. Wayne O'Dell, I actually just saw it. Okay, good. Um, I, I, yeah, because I was going to say, Lance Lynn it has been on the trade speculation, mm-hmm. but they're in, they're an in-between team. Like, are they going to – I know he's 30 yeah. or whatever, but like, – And Lynn, I think, is actually an in-between player. As much as we like him, we like him in the context of this park and this division. Correct. You know, if you actually sort of zoom out on Lynn – you see he's very fastball heavy. He doesn't have a third piece that he really likes to throw. The changeup he throws very rarely. And so he's kind of a fastball slider righty, which there aren't a lot of guys sort of clamoring for, for that type of pitcher. So if you're like the Yankees, do you really want to take Lance Lynn out of St. Louis and put him in Yankee Stadium and say, oh, yeah, yeah. we're going to get the same thing out of him? So, uh, and then, then you add that wrinkle of St. Louis being like, well, you know, we're doing okay. We're still in this. So I, I don't think it'll go anywhere, which means it's a little bit hard for Weaver to necessarily, you know, make his place. You know, on the other hand, you know. Wayno's supposed to be due back next week, by the way. I know he's been terrible. But it's a back. But you know they're not going to bench him. Right, yeah. I mean, that's that's what's difficult. I mean, it, it, unless they they stretch out the back thing. Yes. And and the only reason they'd stretch out the back thing is that they think that Luke Weaver can do better. So he'd have to really come in and do and do great. That's possible. I mean, I really like uh, Luke Weaver. And I wanted to bring up, I've probably said this before, and some people will remember that I said this, but Eric Longenhagen and I were talking about who might come up and be like the next Kyle Hendricks, who would have that type of command that might make him better than it seems than his numbers seem and his name was was luke weaver so you know if, if he does come up and has plus command that's an easy way also to ingratiate yourself with your manager you know and your even your Absolutely. gm you become a high floor guy that might outdo his peripherals uh, but at least won't blow up and and walk the lineup so you're not running up 90 pitches in four or five innings. In some ways, he's the opposite of Lamette and Castillo. I mean, he has a 91-mile-an-hour fastball, 
and it's a great changeup and, and a good curveball. So it's a it's a different it's a different package. At the same time, I love it. He's a guy I would put on that list of pitchers I'd like to have see in a deal uh, if I was selling. And mm-hmm. then you don't if you're selling, you don't have to worry so hard about exactly what he'll do this offseason. And you can sort of pencil him in as a replacement for Lynn when he leaves or, exactly. or when Wright no, retires. I, th- I think that's perfect. Um, he'll be 24 next year, so it's kind of the perfect time to to take a shot on, on having him for a full season here. So Luke Weaver, will it's a good audition. You know, it's hard to make anything too much out of one start. But like you said, teams are going to have to make a, a decision. They're going to have to make a decision on a, on a short sample. You can impress against a team like Arizona. You show that command could be a way to extend it for Luke Weaver. I would say that it's a one-and-done right plan for a one-and-done and focus on getting him in keeper leagues, like Eno said, as a chip-in. But I really do like this guy in the long term. It seems like we're both pretty high on Luke Weaver. Uh, Eric Fetty, another prospect getting called up uh, for another pitcher injury, although this one a lot more devastating with Steven Strasburg going on the DL. We don't know how long that's going to be either. Um, in fact, they were trying to avoid it. I think they waited until the last second. They might have DL'd him today, in fact, um, I believe, uh, because of his elbow and a nerve impingement. He's expected to return August 4th against the Cubs. Uh, Strasburg is, so this could also be a one and done. But let me get your thoughts on Eric Fetty in the short and long term. I mean, he's not dealing as much as. You know, we don't want to look too much at results in in AAA right now. He's not dealing. He, he's getting smashed in AAA. Yeah. <laughs> like, and and he did well-ish in AA, but then you put the caveat that he's 24 years old in AA and it's a little less impressive. And I know he's a little bit behind the curve because I think he started his pro career with Tommy John. Eric Fetty did. He was a first-round pick who fell to 18 uh, because of that, Tom John, I think I have that right. Um, so he was a little bit behind the curve as as a uh, as a college product. So I'll give him a little I'll give him a little uh, backing for that. I'll, you know, back off of him a little bit for that. But at the same time, he wasn't dominating the double A as a twenty four year old, and then comes up to triple A and gets knocked around. Not just from an ERA five fifty seven standpoint, but you look at the one thirty eight WHIP. The strikeouts went way down. The homers went way up. So yeah, Fetty, swing strike rate. The one thing I do like sixty three percent ground ball rate. So. You know, that's nice. You know, that might speak to his floor a little bit. That also speaks to Eric Longenhagen's appraisal of Fetty, saying that he was probably a sinker slider mid rotation arm that would get a lot of ground balls with a low arm slot. So, you know, that uh, that sounds uh, semi appealing in deeper leagues. It's not something I don't think I would put him on that list of Weaver, Lamette, and Castillo that guys I, I'd really want in a deal. I'm. It would certainly be last, if so, yeah, for me. Just, uh, it doesn't wow me. I'd rather see higher swing strike rates in the minors. And a note about swing strike rate. I've said here that research in the past has shown that swing strike rates is about the same as cult strikes in terms of stickiness. You know, I went back and looked at that piece. It's actually not true. Swing strikes are a little bit better. Okay. It's about a 0. 0.7, 0. 0.8 uh, R squared, I think, year to year for swing strikes. And it's a little bit lower. It's like 0.55 for for called strikes. So it's a little bit better to to bet on to bet on uh, on stuff than command. I think. So here's the thing: he's going to start uh, Saturday. I'm not sure against the Rockies. If Eric Fetty gets gets mashed, would you say that uh, 
he, Fetty was whopped. Oh! <laughs> Got it? <laughs> all right. I'll be here all week, guys, because this is where I live. I'm at my house right now. Uh, Jordan Montgomery, you briefly mentioned him. Uh, I want to get a little, little bit more on your on your uh, Just long-term outlook of him. Had three duds, had some folks worried, uh, bounced back, had a nice start, watched that start. He faced Luis Castillo, that, another one. Now, that's two of my favorites from this year, so that was really enjoyable to watch, uh, even though neither of them was particularly dominant, I would say. But that, but Montgomery was definitely the better of the two in that game. So nice to see him bounce back. You mentioned mid-rotation sort of guy. Is he somebody that you would take as a keeper piece in a 15-teamer, in or are you really only looking AL? No, I think in a 15-teamer. Like I think, you remember, we have, to, we have to remember that the average league average ERA is over four. Exactly. And I, and I don't buy the projections on him. You know, he showed decent command. I did good command in the minor leagues. And... I think he's shown it this year, too. I think there are more lapses of judgment in terms of where he wants to put a pitch. Every once in a while, it is a lapse in command. But, you know, I think he's going to keep those walk rates down. I, mean, I don't think – I don't know why his walk rate would go. I guess their projections always want to go to the league average. So league average is like 3.5 walks per nine. So that's that they're pushing him towards the league average with that projection. But I think he's always going to have a good walk rate. I think he's always going to have a good strikeout rate. And the the question is, can he learn how to suppress home runs? If he can learn how to suppress home runs, I think he could be a three five guy. I just don't think he has the stuff to be. He's not a like Severino, you know. He's not no you know, not blowing the door off your hinges. So, but 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 the secondary arsenal for Jordan Montgomery is is deep and strong, mm-hmm. and he has a thirteen percent swinging strike rate. So I actually think as he figures it out. He could tack on to the 8.3 strikeouts and 22% strikeout rate mm-hmm. that we've seen in the majors and, and be a strikeout per inning guy despite not having the devastation of a Severino. Yeah, I think he probably moved some of the changeups to sliders uh, just because the changeups on, by numbers is not that good. But uh, it's not getting smashed. It's just uh, doesn't have great movement. So maybe it's what he needs in order to be deceptive. But in any case, I think... He's a fairly high floor guy. I don't think he's super useful in ten teamers, twelve teamers. I might put him on, you know, last pitcher on my bench and not necessarily want to acquire him too hard. But you know, if somebody's giving away maybe in a deeper twelve. But yeah, fifteen. I'm I'm ready to have him. I'd like to have him, and I think he's fairly, you know, he's pitching in a bad environment and he's done what he's done so far. And I don't think that anything looks out of order. And like as you said. He's already had bad moments, you know, and mm-hmm. he hasn't really let it get to him. Each time that he had a five or six run game, the next game out was great. He bounced back. Exactly. Had that big six <laughs> earned at Minnesota, um, which was one bad inning, literally one bad inning, five hits, all six runs. Bounced back with four innings of one hit scoreless ball. Uh, and then the big start against Cincinnati there for Jordan Montgomery. You, so you see that walk rate go down too. Some of the walks that he has in, in his pocket now came in the first stretch where he's just learning major league umpires, the major league zone. You know, recently, other than that uh, one three walk game, it's one walk or two walks a game. I mean, that's that's what it's been since June. So five percent since May twenty third. The last two months, yeah. uh, spanning twelve starts so for Jordan Montgomery. Good five percent walk rate interesting deceptive stuff from a tall delivery it's like a it's like a young chris young if young if chris young were left-handed and had any pitches other than his fastball <laughs> so 
<laughs> a few caveats here, but I like it. Um, by the way, you mentioned him in 10 team. Uh, I, he's what I like to call a bench streamer, and I have kind of like different levels oh, of streamers. Oh, yeah. And you want to keep those guys him, you don't want to lose him, but yes, you, you have him on your bench. I keep him on the reserve, but I go in and out, whereas another streamer might is, is the typical streamer where you pick him up and then you cut him after you use him. That's a bench streamer for me for Jordan. And how, well, so again, you know, you, you, you would have probably had him in at Minnesota in that league. And yes, that would have I would have taken that one. But I, at I Boston, mean, he didn't have a good game, and you might not have played him there. Uh, you didn't have a great game at Houston. You might not have played him there. I mean, that, that's that's uh, the league-leading offense. Do you know that they're, as a team, they're hitting like 300, like 370, like 500 or something? It's so ridiculous. So <laughs> stupid, dude. And finally, over the last like week or so, and unfortunately it's probably happened because Correa went down and then Springer got nicked, but Altuve's finally getting his love. Mm-hmm. I think that, um, you know, not that this is something that Aaron Judge stays up at night for, but he better look in his rear view for that MVP. Oh, I uh, think, I think I, I actually think... Altuve might be the MVP right now. I I, th- I think so too. Especially but, if they but, win the division, there's still enough old guard that's going to say, you know, those guys went down. That, I mean, as a tiebreaker, and, and, you, know. Uh, you know, right now I think he has it on merit. But if it came to a situation, you know, Judge gets hot again, and they're and they're neck and neck, and maybe the Yankees miss the playoffs. I don't mind it being used as a tiebreaker. I, I that might be a little inconsistent since I, I I don't really like it. It's it's lame to punish a guy for his teammates. And if the best player's on a last place team, then you give him the damn award because he was the most valuable. It's not his fault that 24 slugs didn't do their part. Mm-hmm. But right now, I think Altuve uh, is is the MVP right now. But I do think that Judge is the consensus. So I, I thought I would. Oh, you think Judge is I, the I didn't know if MVP you would right now. I've seen a lot of think, love for Altuve over the last week. So good, good, and that's I, I think he deserves it. I mean, he's 365 average. He's having his best season ever, and all he does is put up MVP caliber seasons. Like that's the crazy. Well, fantasy MVP caliber in in fourteen and fifteen, it wasn't quite mm-hmm. uh, at that peak. But then last year wasn't an elite well, season. I mean, he and this year, value even better. Every tool, you know, every spot. He's ridiculous. Know, he's, yeah. he's absolutely ridiculous. Uh, all right, back in the hitters now. Paul DeYoung, you mentioned him a little bit. He keeps hitting homers, and you kind of hinted at how um, his profile isn't that great and and that's something that i've been kind of waiting for the other shoe to drop on and instead he just keeps hitting homers and making me look silly with his 32 percent strikeout rate and two percent walk rate well there was this stat on uh mlb the other night when they were the showcase game about how how many 95 mile per hour uh hits he's gotten how he's got like the most it's absolutely ridiculous uh, in in this in the period since he's come up for paul de young so that's how you kind of outrun such a bad profile I do think it'll come back to earth at some point, but right now it's not coming back. Paul DeYoung, uh, are you you taking him or Ian Happ in the long term? It's like a 32% strikeout rate against a 2% walk walk rate. It's so brutal. Yeah. But – he just keeps hitting homers. By the way, it's here's what it was. 48% of his balls in play are 95 miles Jesus. per hour or more. And, that, and, and, and 95 miles an hour, people say, oh, launch angle matters. At 95 miles an hour, it almost doesn't. Like, no. it's it, it, there are great outcomes even on ground balls. I mean, Hap, yeah, that's... Hap, uh, Hap was more touted, uh, has more speed, better play discipline isn't reaching outside the zone at a 40% rate. Like what? So what? 
what do we see here long term? I would, I'd rather have Hap. Just like I, I wasn't even that road. big into Hap, but I'd rather have Hap. I just see him as less risky. I, I sometimes focus too much on four, but you know, I think the floor with De Jong is that they move on to their next shortstop type. I mean, right now, the one thing about him that makes him a little bit different than the prototypical Cardinals Devil Magic is that he's actually 23 years old. They usually do this with guys in their mid 20s, right? And if he, um, and it would, it actually is, is meaningful because if he was 27, I'd say, oh, you know, hair today gone tomorrow, but. Uh, you know, right now, if the defense is scratch or better, even if he goes back to his projections, which is 250 batting average with uh, around 200 ISO, even if he goes back to that, he's pretty much a league average player. And yeah. I think most people would let that guy, you know, play shortstop. You know, league average shortstop, no one's really complaining too hard. So. You know, he could be the bad year Zach Cozart's, you know? And with, you think there's... With, the, with the Zach Cozart upside. So basically a youngish Zach Cozart. It doesn't seem that bad of a comp. No, not at all. How much risk do you put, though, for DeYoung to just go in the tank for a month, though? And, oh, and with that play discipline, for sure. I think, he, I think he'll end up being a streaky guy. Maybe a J.J. Hardy type. I mean, I hate that these guys go. are all white, but... Uh, well, I mean, <laughs> it just works out that can way. Can you sometimes. think of any black shortstops besides Tim Anderson? I guess he could be, but he's just not Elvis Tim Anderson. Anderson. Tim Anderson is, is like this, one of the, like the top five fastest guys in the league, and you know doesn't have the power. But <laughs> yeah, so it's a little different. I mean, but Tim Anderson does know. have that plate discipline and has gone in the tank uh, for times for stretches, just as I think Dion. I mean, when you have plate discipline like that and you're reaching at stuff forty percent out of the out of the zone, I think people just can get ahead of you and and. Uh, can make you reach and you know make you look silly so there'll be times where he'll be flailing at everything and people will wonder if this is the same guy and there'll be some blue face twitter twitterites you know <laughs> yeah. talking about how he for sucks sure. and why is he here and let's get rid of him and let's trade him for dd gregorius <laughs> I, I would be careful with paul the young in my mixed leagues though yeah. i'd be trying to sell i know and I'm not saying you go out and sell and you're going to rip somebody off because everyone else is looking at these same numbers. But you find somebody with a shortstop need and you figure like, anything you get is going to be better than what you paid. You paid nothing right. for Paul Daniel. And you might have two so shortstops if you get an upgrade. If you <laughs> yeah, if you get an upgrade somewhere, you won. By the way, I said Alvis Andrews. He's Venezuelan. He's not black. I'm an idiot. Uh, um, yeah, sorry. Next up. Group of guys. They hit their well, first home yesterday. I was yesterday. the one saying that I was saying a bunch of white guys. I said JJ. Hardy. I know, but... I said, who are the who are the black shortstops? Though, besides, oh, and I said uh, Tim Anderson, and then I said Elvis oh, I Andrews, and Elvis Andrews is not black; he's Venezuelan. The black um, Elvis, dude, it'd be a, a, a cool Keith album right there. It, it's it's still pretty great that there is an Elvis <laughs> in the true. league, and, and he's awesome. Elvis has not I, I yet left it. the building. <laughs> nope, and he not, doesn't show any signs of leaving the building anytime soon. I, I, he strikes me as a guy who could, because of his shortstop acumen, could play like another oh. eight years pretty easily. Oh, I do want to do something real quick. They have this Go cool ahead. What do you got? foot speed uh, thing that's where I got that uh, Zimmer. The sprint speed? I, I love it. Yeah. So uh, today, uh, Tulowitzki got, got at, at home plate in the ninth inning, I think. And uh, so I was like, oh, yeah, Troy Tulowitzki's slowest shortstop in Major League Baseball. Oh, my God. And then we found out that Wilmer Flores is faster than Troy Tulowitzki, which just oh. blew my mind. A lot of other people's minds were blown by the fact that J.J. Hardy is faster than Troy Tulowitzki. 
you, I got some other ones for you since I jumped on the page uh-huh. here. And it's it's incremental. It's very small, but their names are ahead of his. Uh-huh. Miguel Cabrera, Nelson Cruz, Wellington Castillo. <laughs> Wellington Castillo is faster than Troy Tulowitzki? Wellington Castillo is faster <laughs> than Troy Tulowitzki. Chris Iannetta. I could keep going. Oh like It is pretty well, hilarious. So, I, I, I've, I've been ragging on De Jong there. That was a little bit racist. De Jong is about as fast as Elvis Andrews. Actually, they're right next to each other. So he's not... Cozart and Hardy are down at the bottom with Brandon Crawford. Just so to, he's got a little bit more just speed. Just to dig him. myself further in this well, hole. <laughs> but here's the thing. You, you're making a Hardy... You're making a old-school Hardy. Yeah, this is right. Old-school yeah, yeah, Hardy yeah, is probably yeah. a hell of a lot faster. Yeah, yeah. That was 14 injuries ago. And he had a lot of power. And, you know, sometimes better played discipline, sometimes not. And I think Hardy on the career level was streaky. There were years where he was unusable, you know? Oh, absolutely. It was it was crazy. Like, And then he had the rebirth in Baltimore. Wasn't he pretty rebirths. much... He had like three rebirths. It was crazy. He looked done when he was with uh, the last year with the Brewers and even his year with the Twins was a lost year. And then he goes to the Orioles and he's been pretty damn solid outside of the, uh, up until these last three years and it's been, it's been pretty tough then. But, Look at um, that. Trevor's yeah, story could... is fast. You didn't know that? Well, I mean, he hit the ball hard, but... I wouldn't he have guessed that he was, he was the fast fourth fastest white. shortstop. And this, just, it's as fast as Tim Anderson. Tim Anderson, to me, seems super fast. But I mean, Trevor Story's fast. Yeah, there you so. go. You know the best one, and they covered it on their podcast, by the way, the StatCast podcast, mm-hmm. Must Listen, Mike Petriel, Matt Myers, great stuff. The one that they highlighted that I've just been obsessed with since they started talking about it, JT Real Muto, is like legitimately fast. Not catcher fast. He is like legitimately fast and super athletic and it's just Wait, it's I awesome to see this now because a, a fast ooh, he gets 28.7 feet per second wilson Contreras is second at 27.5 and if you go to short stops 20 what, what was that for uh, 28.7 28.7 would be ahead of tim anderson boom wow and then story GTA i would assume too, Muto is faster than i'm tim telling anderson. you I'm telling you, and they've been talking this. about it on the StatCast. I love this leaderboard, by the way. <laughs> and it, it, it's so great. I'll link to it. It's on the Baseball Savant page. Honestly, if you just look up StatCast Sprint Speed, if I forget to link it, I would have it, guessed that Wilson uh, Contreras is pretty fast. And pretty fast for a well, catcher. Well, he's playing left field, means too. he's as fast as Jordy Mercer, which somebody came on and was like, Jordy Mercer's slowest shortstop. I don't believe you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't believe you. Well, I'm well, sorry. Here's the number. Not my stop I watch, I guess. T- yeah, I, did, I, didn't, I didn't make it up. Um, yeah, I'm not surprised that Contreras uh, is fast because he can actually hang out there in left field when need be. Uh, Yohan Moncada, Rafael Devers, and Lewis Brinson all hit their first homers yesterday. Mm-hmm. Lewis Brinson hit another one today. Um, you can talk about all three if you want, but who's your favorite long-term? If you're if you're looking to invest, if you're trying to buy, you're selling right now in in Dynasty. Um, which one of these guys would you seek out? Is it the obvious answer, Moncada, because he was the number one prospect, or are you going to go a different route? I'm going to go Devers. I I think his hit tool is the best of the three, and I think right now the hardest thing to get is hit tool. I think that we've let hit tool go for power, and uh, I I could see him having the best strike like obviously he's gonna have the best strike at rate of the group and without losing too much of the power either he's not so. gonna be like a power deficient by any he may stretch. have the, least, the fewest steals but if i get a guy that might hit 290 with 25 yeah. homers and he plays third base 
I mean, Moncada's playing third or second? Second right well, now. Well, that's exciting. I mean, to have him at second and have the steals. I mean, Moncada's the easy one, but if there was any sort of arbitrage that I could do where I trade Moncada and pieces uh, for Devers and, and win now pieces or something, I would do that. Like, I, I think that the distance between them is shorter and it might be Devers that's number one. The market might have a larger. I think gap the market than... for sure has Moncada as like number one, and Devers is like yeah. number ten, like you know that sort of disparity. Whereas I say almost one and one A. Brinson, what do you think about Brinson? You know, I, I think Brinson probably has the worst head tool of the of the group, mm-hmm. and his a lot of athleticism though. Yeah, a lot of athleticism. The power has been a little bit more up and down than it was for Moncada. It's taken him a long time to get to the major leagues, and. Uh, I don't think that, uh, you know, that's, uh, I, I just, there's something that makes me nervous about him. I see him as being okay. uh, streaky and not quite Keon Broxton, but. Yeah, don't put that on anybody. That's not nice. <laughs> don't call anybody Keon Broxton with that guy no, swinging. No, no, no. But the, no, I mean. I think, I think that Brinson might go back down, you know, for example. Okay. Where the other two, I think, will stay up. Even with the Eduardo Nunez. Uh, acquisition. Well, the, I think that there's yeah. enough versatility in Nunez. Plus, Nunez is a righty, so exactly. You know, Devers was always going to sit hurt a lot. The lefties. Yeah, Dustin Madroy gets hurt a lot. Uh, Devers is a lefty, so it could be a Devers Nunez platoon where Nunez plays some second to to spell Dustin Madroy in the outfield. Can even let those guys get outfield. a burn. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I agree. I agree with you. I don't think that the Eduardo they knew what they were doing. They didn't. They didn't make up the Eduardo Nunez trade the day after Devers was called up, and they're like, now things are changed. Like They're obviously working on that stuff well in advance. Yeah, right, they right. So they're they not just going to, oh, now you go back down, because I'd be wasting an option year. They could have maybe not even played Devers in the major leagues this year if they thought Nunez was the answer by himself. So Precisely. Yeah. So I, I agree with you. I think the plan was always to bench him ver- Devers versus lefties. Nunez is the perfect fill-in there, and then he bounces around and gives guys breathers the rest of the way because – um, you know, they they they're they're positioning themselves for October. They don't have anything wrapped up. They still have to play to win the division and get in the playoffs. Do the Red Sox, but they can afford to say, "Hey, Benny, you get a day off. JBJ, you get a day off. Mookie, Pedroia, every, everyone just rotates getting days off when they're not facing lefties." And Nunez will still play plenty. And for what um, it's worth, I I asked a talent evaluator that works in baseball what they thought Lewis Brinson's true talent strikeout rate was right now. And they said thirty percent. None of the projections have them at thirty oh, percent. So if you're looking, that is Broxton-esque. Then. If you're looking at the projections, you you may want to do some mental math. To... Wait, no, it's not. Broxton had thirty-eight. Yeah, so. Broxton is a uh, way out. He's a different yeah, case yeah, altogether. I, I shouldn't. <laughs> but you're yeah, thirty percent. Right at me for that one. I, I shouldn't have said that. But but uh, yeah, Moncada, you know, could be at that thirty percent level. Uh, but he's also Moncada is going to give you going to have a lot more burn. I think this year. Yep. Um, You're going to have a lot more, uh, a lot firmer idea of, of what we're doing. And with the here. upside is tantalizing. If Lewis Brinson played third or second, I would, uh, I would say that be even more excited about him. But yeah, we're we're in an outfield depth period right now. I think there's a lot of um, it, it, it's really jumped up this year. So I, I agree with you there. Uh, Bradley Zimmer, we already talked about uh, his kind of outlook here. So I'm just going to go straight to the comparison. For the future, Bradley Zimmer or Andrew Benintendi? Here I might go against the 
idea that I just said that hit tool is harder to find. I do think that Andrew Benatendi has a better hit tool, but Zimmer kind of far outpaces him in everything else. Especially the fantasy stuff. Yeah, I think he's going to steal more bases and hit more homers. And with Benatendi kind of settling in right now at like 270 to 280 true talent batting average, I don't think he gives you that you know, 300, 320, that'll separate him from Zimmer and batting average so much that you would want to give up uh, possible homers. I still think that's very much on the table, though. Benintendi's 22 years oh, old. Oh, I do think he could uh, get a batting title. I'm not going to rule that batting out title at all. In his future. I mean, look at that swing yeah. strike rate, 7.4% two straight years. He's going to have a 15, 16% strikeout rate. He's a very nice player, and actually, I think that this is the time to go after Ben Attendee. So in terms of like, just about to say if you that. want, if you want to ask me, you know, who I think is better, I might go Zimmer, but Zimmer's price is a lot higher right now. Cause he's setting the world on fire. Ben yeah, Attendee, the I think there's probably some owners who are kind of thinking, uh, you know what? He's kind of like a 15, 15 guy. I'm not that into him. And you know, they, even if you look at fan graphs, even if the other owner is looking at fan graphs, they say 294 Babip, you know, that's not going to, that's not, he's not going to do much better than that. This is who he is. 97 WRC yeah, plus. I, I look at his power in the minor leagues. He had more power in the minor leagues. He hit the ball out of that stadium in, in, um, it, that we were in, in Long Island. No, Staten Island. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. He hit the yeah, ball into uh, the water there which is amazing by like the, the way great great park the staten island minor league park. yeah it was the great only view. time they'd anyone seen him do that so that's crazy yeah so uh, i think uh i think there's a, a lot left to ben attending i think this is a great time to go get him and i think he it's any league if anybody I, is I, dropping yep. into a 10 team keeper league pick him up and if he's available in 10 or 12 team leagues get him Trade trade for him anywhere you can. I could not agree with you more. Andrew Benintendi's price is going to be down, especially relative to where it was coming into the season when all the excitement was there. That's one of the major flaws of the fantasy baseball community is they overhype prospects when they haven't done anything, and then they go complete 180 mm-hmm. the second that they aren't uh, Chris Bryant, Mike Trout out of the gate. Mike Trout, obviously his second season. I know he had that first 40-game sample, whatever. You know what I mean? Uh, when they don't immediately dominate, the, the 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 community turns on them, and so uh, Ben Intendi somebody to scoop for sure. I I, I like both these guys obviously, but uh, I agree with your outlook on on going to get Ben Intendi right now. Now a couple more comparisons and then a, a a send down, which will lead us into some more dynasty bylaws. Hunter Renfro or Jorge Bonifacio, a couple power guys, one AL one NL. Who do you like best in the long term? Between Jorge Bonifacio yeah. and Hunter Renfro. It's uh, the one thing that keeps me from getting too excited about both these guys. I, and actually, you know, I think going into the season, I said Hunter Renfro is going to just, I'm such a bad packer. You know, I don't care, but I back patter, yeah, you back mean? I just, I, I, I did say it, so I don't care. I'm going to say it. I said he was going no, to hit like 30 to... home runs. He's going to hit 30 home runs. I'm going to be right. Well, I like to roast myself <laughs> yeah, on yes, yes. the misses you just have to do so both. that I can. You have to do both. <laughs> yeah, that, that way I can backpack. Yeah. So that way I can be like, listen, I took my L's. I did not. Think I made that fun he of myself on Judge while hitting thirty homers. So. <laughs> but yeah, it looks he's going to hit the thirty. I mean, he's got twenty right now. The dude has major power. Two over two fifty. I see kind of. Uh, I see them both as kind of a product of our era. I mean, oh, absolutely. I mean, this absolutely. They are the Rob Deers of our, our current time. Yep. A little bit. Yep. 
That's that's a great call. Um, so Renfro and Bonifacio. Bonifacio one time, you know, pretty big prospect. I think he was even top 100 uh, in the industry. Fell off a little bit, kind of was like, oh, I guess well, what's what's going to become of him? And now having a pretty damn good year this year yeah. uh, with his 14 homers. But and he needs a little help OPS. on his homers. Whereas Renfro hit it hit the the the, uh, the the roof of the stadium in San Diego the other day. <laughs> The you're talking about the Western Metal Supply. Yeah, the the very top, like the, the one where there's like a couple seats, it's, the very top. It's so nasty yeah. what he can do. That's my pick too. I, I really I'm going like with Renfro because I do. think that Bonifacio is probably like a true talent, two fifty, like twenty five guy, which is fine. But Renfro might be a two forty, like forty guy. Yes, you know, agree. And if and you're not, have a spike if is not giving you stolen bases or batting average, then you you're still focusing on the homers, and you're going to get a lot more from Renfro. No, I'm, I'm I'm definitely with you there. I'm, I'm taking. And I don't actually well. think that I don't think I I don't know that I would try really hard to acquire either of these guys because power seems pretty prevalent in our day and age. So it's like, mm-hmm. why spend so much to get a guy that doesn't have a standout hit tool or doesn't you know add batting batting average or stolen bases or, or positional value? So you know, if someone's offering you Hunter Renfro as the primary piece. Nah. You know, I don't know. I might pass. No, I, th- I think you're. I think you're definitely right there. Um, so I don't think I'd take him either. A couple other power guys, interesting ones at, at first base. That again, probably because of the era, you're not dying to go out and get. But uh, I want to talk about them nonetheless. Josh Bell, Trey Mancini. Who's your favorite between those two? Well, I wanted to quickly check the ages because Bell took a little while to get here. He's turning 25 next month. And look at Especially that, for Trey a uh, high school product. Trey Mancini is also 25. You can almost group the four together, to be honest. Renfro, Bonifacio, well, no, Bell, I mean, there's Mancini. A little more, well, is it more position about it first? Maybe not. Yeah, you could probably add them all together. The the thing that separates what's weird for me is the the latter two are ground ball first guys. Bell and Mancini both hit more ground balls than fly balls. The other two are mm-hmm. just going for the fences. So They know what they're doing. They're, they're just selling out. Yeah, I don't know what that means long term. I mean, it, I think it does mean that the, the second two, Mancini and Bell, are more likely to have better batting averages. It's weird to me that Mancini has the 25% strikeout rate and has the better batting average, while Bell has a 19% strikeout with such a good swing strike rate that he could actually improve upon that and have like a 16% strikeout rate. I'm going to go with Bell. I know that the current batting average will suggest that Mancini is has the better batting average and he does have the better park you know for that sort of thing same time i think bell at some point could be a 12 percent walk rate 15 percent strikeout rate 210 iso guy and i just can't imagine that that package altogether does not create a pretty good batting average correct um, I'm with you on that as well. Josh Bell is my pick. I love watching him kind of have his power develop this year, mm-hmm. and I think he's going to learn how to put the two together. He had a 273 batting average in a 45-game sample last year. It's down to 249 this year, and I think he'll eventually meld the two and, and, and realize, hey, I can do both. I just need to tighten up the approach a little bit. It's a, it's and, a fairly uh, stark situation. Last year, 43% oppo, 22% pull. This year, 43% pull, 29% oppo. So, actually, I mean, I think that I think that actually goes to what you're saying. It's kind of like, you know, I can go oppo for batting average or I can pull for power. And I think in the end, the most successful guys do both. 
Exactly. You know? And you see a guy who now has just about a full season under his belt, 546 plate appearances, and he's figuring out how to how to how to do both. If you add it up, he's got 37% pull, 33% oppo for his entire career. Josh Bell does. And that's and again, a really nice actually line. Like if he was able to do that, that's a spray line with a 260 like career average with 200 ISO, just like I said. And the strikeout rate's going to yep. come down. So yeah. And uh, so yeah, I think Josh he's Bell's actually of there. those four, he's the one I'd like to acquire completely agree and i don't know maybe you can sell he's also maybe the probably the highest price of them but maybe but he's the chip in guy again i think i think in, in a, another deal where you're saying here's our principles let me get josh bell and this will put us over the edge maybe and i'll give I you mean, back it, i'll give you back mitch moreland or something yeah it's, it's hard to tell I, I don't know that people are dying to hold a, a first base yeah that's right true now. that's true that's a good point and the guy right now hitting 250 i mean everyone has homers this guy's hitting 250. Why do I need to really hold on to him? I can get home or somewhere else. So, and so I think he will be slept on a little bit in that respect. So I go get Definitely Josh Bell out of four, those four. Sure. I go Bell, Renfro, Bonifacio, Mancini, uh, personally. Uh, Dansby Swanson was sent down, you know, and I mean, it, it, listen, you can make a case of just let the guy work it out and, and, and play at the majors because they're not really going anywhere. But it gets to a point where it's so bad that it, it's going to start snowballing on itself. You've got to get down to the minors and see if you can kind of rebuild that confidence, get him back on track. Dansby Swanson had 213, 287, 312 triple slash. That's freaking horrific. So the 23-year-old had skipped AAA originally coming up. Now he will get a taste of, of the Gwinnett life. Um, how does this change your outlook, and does this make him a, a Bilo dynasty candidate for you? Yeah, I, I, if you look across his line, the, the thing that's missing is power. And power takes the longest to stabilize. You know, powers, you know, can be fickle. And, you know, he could just go down and, and find that stroke and come back up and normalize to a power level that I would have said is better than his projection. So, you know... If he comes back up and hits to like a 150 type ISO or 160 type ISO league average, then he's going to be better than his projections. He'll be a 260 guy with like a 320 OBP and like a 400 slugging. That's still only going to be 12 homers and five stolen bases. So is there is there any world where mostly a deep, Swanson... a deep league by though I think I agree. Is there any world where he kind of eschews the idea of power almost altogether and tries to hit? 290 is that is that in the cards at all or, or does he strike out too much for that and just doesn't have enough early, like, early it career. seems like everything's in between yeah like I, he's stuck in between some i think he's stuck in between patience and strikeouts and exactly yeah so i really don't know i really don't know what to make of dansby swanson i wasn't terribly interested in him this year but I, no chance i saw this coming right. i really thought it was going to be kind of the bland uh what you're talking about like 10 and 10 with a 260 and and playing time galore because he was going to be a top of the order i think it's it's most useful maybe as a cautionary tale not that we don't all know about the sort of these cautionary tales but like ahmed rosario as much as i love him now it's just not the time to get ahmed rosario you know it's just does this vindicate dave stewart i'm half joking but i'm a touch serious well forgive for a moment that shelby miller got hurt you can't project that yeah does it do anything or is it still way too much because you probably should have been able to do like 
uh, Aaron Blair and Aaron. The main and thing Ciarte. is this. He, he had a choice between Shelby Miller and other ace level pitchers, and he chose Shelby Miller. So it's not. Oh, there were others available. Yeah, oh, I think okay. that's that was at least the rumor, and I, don't, I think he might have okay. even corroborated it. So it's <clears throat> if you if you think about it in that context, then it's a, a total mistake because if you had choice between Shelby Miller and other pitchers, you would have chosen other pitchers. In terms of you know sending prospects for. A, a young cost-controlled starting pitcher, you know, yes, then that's not as much of a mistake because yeah, people are going to do it now. Sonny Gray is about someone's going about to pay for Sonny Gray, and Jose Quintana. You know, Sonny Gray might go either way. Quintana just got Eloy Jimenez, so yeah. and maybe maybe and Eloy doesn't work out, but maybe Eloy does. That, I mean, that's that's that part of it is not that strange. It, it was, I think, that it was Shelby Miller, and I think we we all yeah. saw that. You know, Shelby wasn't necessarily a one A A's, and just like it's almost like, did you really have to include Ender Inciarte? Could you not have gotten it done with Swanson, Blair, and another prospect? Yeah, like I, I don't know. I think Inciarte almost stings the most, even though he's not like a superstar. But he's a major league defense, player that's probably a very four win guy. You know, exactly. He's very very capable player in the middle of your roster. If you rank your players one to twenty five. On just about every team, he's a consistent middle of the roster player, and they just he just kind of got thrown into that deal. Like, hey, here you go, just in ca- just in case Dansby doesn't work out, here's a three to four win player every single year in center field for you. Does he play center? Yeah, he does play center. Okay. Uh, anyway, so Dansby Swanson could be a buy low in dynasty. I'm I'm not doing it, uh, but this is the time to do it. If you've ever believed in Dansby Swanson. This is the time to double down on that because it doesn't cost you anything. Um, if if you're new and you're new to the Swanson uh, and, and you didn't really like him that much, I wouldn't say to jump in now. I would say this is for believers to kind of increase their shares and, and, and hunker down and see what you got. But for me, it's a pass. But I want to talk about some other dynasty by lows, and we're going to move away from the rookies now, talk about some underperformers who've been playing too. I'm trying to avoid the ones that are straight injury because those are probably a little bit more obvious. So right now I'm looking at guys that uh, that have struggled this year and kind of wanted to get your feel on where they're at as dynasty by lows. And we'll start with a guy we've talked about a couple different times this year, uh, Mr. Pop-Up King, sellout for power, Rugnet Odor. The interesting thing about him, you know, is that even in the midst uh, of these issues this year, he's still contributing some some decent fantasy counting numbers, uh, particularly at second base, which hasn't been great. So there are situations I can envision where somebody has the batting average to kind of cover his 215 because they've got, you know, Daniel Murphy, Aaron Judge, uh, and, you know, a couple other good guys whose names like uh, DJ LeMahieu or, or something at their middle, and they can cover it. And the fact they got 20 homers and nine stolen bases isn't too bad. But there's no way to really not say that Odor has been bad this year. What do you think of his outlook for the 23-year-old? He he's uh, he's hitting the ball too much in the air. We've, we've talked about it a little bit. The Trevor Story phenomenon, where we linked that rolling launch angle thing that showed that uh, he he couldn't sustain that crazy uh, launch angle that he had. And I think, for what it's worth, Odor himself has come down from, you know, the crazy launch angle. And <clears throat> July was his best month so far for uh, pop-ups. So there there are some silver linings. There's some things that you can see in there. And um, 
I think I might rely here on just the regular statistical projections that say he's more like a 250 hitter. That's what he did last year, 250, 260. And okay. in that case, I think he's a buy, you know? I mean, is and it, is there, you aren't going to get a second baseman with the same kind of power. There's very few of them. No. And he, no, because scope would cost you an arm and a leg. Right. And, and, and I mean, yeah, if I'm going to get the choice between buying scope or buying, or buying Odor, I'm buying Odor. Plus, Odor steals bases, so there's there's really a lot to like here, even though there's stuff to not like. And at 23, he's actually two or three years from his peak, so you know maybe some of this pop-up stuff will get ironed out. Maybe you'll have a bad Machado-like season, where Machado has had you know the infield pop-up problems and mm-hmm. has had some problems this year. But if you're if you're going to think that you know Machado is worth buying, then you got to think Odor is worth buying. I actually I agree, and I I've never been an Odor guy. I thought he was overpriced this year. This is somewhat what I was worried about—not two fifteen, but sub two fifty. And mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, you know, the power is going to be there. And I was actually worried about the stolen bases because his success rate's horrible. Now he does still have nine, and he'll probably get pretty close to his fourteen from last year. So I had that piece wrong, but the batting average is what scared me. But now we're at a point where the price has changed so drastically mm-hmm. that I'm in. And that's why you have varying opinions on players because the price is always what matters. Mm-hmm. And now it's a situation where you're definitely going to be able to get a discount. I'm very in, rarely in the cases all the way out on a player. I mean, it's exactly. It's you have to wait price. to see how things change, except for Jonathan Pavelbon. I've just always <laughs> been all the way out on that guy. Hate that guy's stupid face. But um, you mentioned Trevor's story. He's next on the uh. list. Uh, is he in a similar vein where, where you're still looking to buy? Obviously, he's older than uh than um odor and maybe doesn't have uh quite the the base running uh, red uh, green light i should say like the i don't think he gets uh, he's allowed to run as much i think he has the speed to but he's only 12 for for uh 17 for his entire career he only has four stolen bases this year but still 14 homers hitting 234 oh he's only one year older i thought he was actually two three years older so he's 24 years old trevor story is is he somebody that you're buying in dynasties hoping to get a discount on he so he continued that that change that i showed now he's now he's maybe hitting too many ground balls, but it's it's been good for... Uh... <laughs> He's like, I, I don't know what you guys want. <laughs> Trevor, uh, could you maybe get the ball in the... Well, are you kidding me, Skip? <laughs> are you serious? Yeah, dude, just maybe just up it a little bit. Uh, we need you to up it. Were you not in here a month ago? Tell- Listen, you're just hitting on the ground. Well, here, much, here's you. his line in July. 268, 325, 521. So 521 slugging, I would love that. 260 type batting average from him. I think it's possible. I think that's... That's uh, I, I hesitate to say his best month of the season is his true talent, but it it, it is close. You know, I think he can be a two fifty five hundred kind of guy, huh? That can I get a full season of that with? I know with without the, all the you know, hard work, like, would be nice. Yeah, exactly with twenty five and 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 twelve stolen bases with the with the with the possibility of spiking more on the homers. Because I do still think that that's an upside. I'm definitely buying him too. I'm I'm in on both. I actually think right now story is going to cost you a little bit more because of the the July he's just had, and the fact that Coors is always going to have a little yeah. bit of an extra price think, tag. I'll pay it. Though. And I think given his strikeout rate, 35 percent versus Odor's like twenty. That's a good point. I, I think given those two facts that he might be more expensive and has this crazy strikeout rate. I think I'm a little bit more interested in buying a door, but um... that's okay. I, I I can I can get behind that. One thing I would say though is that 
Coors mitigates it a little yeah, bit. Yeah, it definitely does. Right? Well, it, yeah, it, it balances a out a little. That's true. It's not bad Although, at all. Although, but could they trade him? I mean, could they trade Odor? I, That'd I, be crazy. He's twenty three. Yeah, he needs to be part of, yeah, part of any core, rebuild yeah, that they yeah. do. Um, by the way, just quick. I, aside, I, I, I just said that because I thought I heard that, and now that I, now that I'm like thinking about it, like, why, where did I hear that? What stupid person said that? <laughs> I mean, the Tigers were apparently all the trade rumors for Michael Fuller. I'm like, how is he not part of Oh, I guess the, the idea thing. there is that they need to shed salaries so bad that they would include him to get rid of somebody. But well, then you're just shooting yourself in the foot. You're just losing. Exactly. Yeah. And besides, the old- they're going to have they're gonna have a payroll that's $40 million lower next year than this year. I think they exactly. can – I think they you, can, you hang yeah. on to that guy. The only way you trade Fulmer is if you just get such a mint, you get like a Quintana Plus deal, and then he jump starts the rebuild. But other than that, you just keep that guy. Uh, next up, Michael Franco. We, again, a guy we've talked about that we have to keep revisiting because it's he he becomes a constant question because we have positive things to say, but the numbers just don't translate right now. I love the strikeout rate. Love the power that he shows uh, in spurts, in particular, 174 ISO this year and, and uh, 15 homers. 24 years old, though, 1,425 plate appearances, starting to really get up there to a number where you're saying, okay, can we jump up a level? Where are you at on Michael Franco? Is he a buy low? Is he someone you like in the long term still? I I think he's a, a buy low in that uh, the price is, is plummeted. What the problem here is that in order for him to be someone that I believe in, he needs to make a change. And what I've said all along is he hits the ball pretty hard, but he hits it too much on the ground. And that's still true. And it's getting worse instead of getting better. So, you know, can he have that Jason Hayward type aha year where he finally hits the ball in the air and hits 30 homers? Yes. But the fact that this has gone on now for you know, almost two full seasons suggests to me that this is what's going to look like at the end too. So the beginning and the end of his career is, are going to be sort of 260, 20 homer type guy. Mm -hmm. There's still a chance in the middle, there's going to be like 290 and 30 homers or 25, 30, you know, like that's still in there. He did hit 25. So he, I think he could even, you know, combine the sort of ability to hit, hit it hard in the line drive angles with raising the launch angle just enough to hit more homers. He's in the right park. It might come at the that. same time as other people coming in and, mm-hmm. and doing well and the whole lineup sort of meshing and it might seem sort of impossible to see right now, but there's no way he should be hitting 226 first, first of all with the, the fact that he hits more ground balls than fly balls and he still hits the ball reasonably hard. He should and not a- be hitting 226. And a fourteen percent strikeout rate for Franco. Yeah. All that, and he's hitting two twenty six. Like, that's two twenty seven Babbitt. That's just it's just that's, weird. That's unlucky. It's weird. That's when you can use it as a luckometer. I, I think when so. people X-stats, blindly do it. X stats says yeah. you should hit two sixty three. Bingo. You know, it's like bingo. I'm still buying fully, yeah. easily. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I don't want to so, buy. Okay. I don't necessarily want to buy like with someone who says, well, he hit 280 his rookie year and hit 25 homers the next year, so I'm selling him as a 280-25 guy. I mean, like, no, dude. He's not doing that right now, and, <laughs> you know, you just piece those things together. That 
that might be his upside, but just take the best parts. Yeah. And he had nine steals one year in the minors, so I'm selling him as a nine steal guy. I actually don't know if that's true, but he was like plucking through. Yeah. And then he had his high school year where he did hit seventy four doubles, so that's still on the on the table. You know, Ron Chandler says once you display a skill, you own it. So uh, I'm gonna go ahead and I'm gonna go ahead and charge you for that. And so what it comes out to is you're gonna have to give me. Uh, Benintendi and Moncada, and then we'll get this deal locked up. <laughs> uh, so those are the three hitters that I've got. Do you have any other buy low hitters that you're looking at? Mm-hmm. If not, we can move on to some pitchers. Let's see here. And, and it, even if you don't, I want you to rank those three in terms of how you're buying. I think it's in the order that I did them, though. Odor, Story, Franco. Probably, but, but I think that Franco is uh, sort of uh, delectably cheap right now. There's something yeah, I, I agree. In terms of cost to output potential, I think it would be Odor Franco story because again, story is going to be the most expensive. Yeah, and I would say Odor Franco level down then story. Like there's a gap. Yeah, let me let me just do this. Uh, do a search. While you're looking for things, I'll ask you on a few of like um, veterans because obviously we've talked here about young guys. Those are a lot easier to buy. Are the the Brandon Crawford's of the world, the, um, you know, let's go even older and, but more established Miguel Cabrera, Carlos Gonzalez. We're talking dynasty here. So these are not going to have price tags, right? That you, you keep your whole roster and they are, they, they are what they are. Do you buy guys like that? Or, or when you're in these rebuilds, are you only going for younger guys that are, whose prices have been, uh, dipped? Uh, you know, I think I might be more likely to, to buy like a 29, 30 year old starting pitcher who just had a bad year, you know, okay. because I think they're more volatile year to year, but like a 35 year old hitter who's been declining is not super exciting. Body. To me. I mean, it, yeah, it'd have to be like a throw in, but I, you know, I, I, I still believe in Greg bird. I wanted to bring his name up. Okay. I don't think he's... Speaking of Greg's, I'll throw in Polanco as well. Yeah. I still think a healthy Gregory Polanco it is, is It is really frustrating. This year, I was just talking to a beat writer about him, and, and we were talking about how he, he like gets hurt, comes back, gets it together, starts getting hot, he was and then just getting again. going. He was just getting going. The problem is and it's I'm in like, the hamstring for a lot of this. Hamstring and shoulder, both chronic. Yeah. And that's the scary part. And this is this is Gregory Polanco. Let's get back to Bird, who was your was well. Your I, I, you know, are the th- problems that a Bird is having chronic? I don't. I don't. I, I'm not a doctor. You know, the torn labrum he had. What he played through that at some point. So and, mm-hmm. and played well through that. So I don't know that uh, a first baseman needs you know a labrum like a starting pitcher does. And um, the ankle thing, I mean, are we really going to really hold it against him? You know, when Mark Teixeira, you know, they were like, oh, you know, it hurts. I just don't know what it is. And then they finally went in and they found stuff, you know. And they're like, oh, it just didn't show up on the MRI. You were going to yeah. yell at Greg Bird. And then, you know, they finally had surgery and be like, oh, well, I guess he needed surgery. You know, oh, no, he's, he's like, such a, a How wuss. did you not know that you needed <laughs> yeah, surgery? He's such a wuss, you needed surgery. No, dude, people sometimes need surgery. So. I mean, it's, he's at a low right now, but I think the way also that the Yankees have been talking sounds to me like Greg Bird is, you know, our first baseman next year, and we're not trying to buy a first baseman that, you know, that we're going to have for a while. They're getting temporary situ- uh, temporary. Yeah, they're talking about Young Alonso and types. So yeah, I think they so still they're not, they're not going. Uh, Cattell Marte is interesting to me because Chris Owings has really fallen off. 
Ketel Marte mm-hmm. has shown a little bit more power in Arizona, and just recently, and he's got big speed. And he's got could he go speed. Segura there? That's where Segura got himself back on track, uh-huh. and I do think some of it was that part. And Nick Ahmed is just um, is is bad. He's glove only. Yeah. He's a twenty fifth he man. Yeah, he should be the Utah guy. And Chris Owings, you can be a guy you move around, and and he had major arm surgery. So you know, I think if you line him up and made him throw, I think Marte had a better arm. So. Um, it's always hard to find got, shortstops, and and uh, you know, so I, I think that's an interesting name. I got another one that folks would definitely be asking us about if we didn't bring him up, uh, Byron Buxton. Yeah, you know, maybe you just uh, remember Mike Cameron and just and uh, and take and hope and take the lumps. No, I just mean that Mike Cameron was really streaky and had some bad batting average years, but still gave you power and steals and. I know yeah. it, but I'm saying you hope that he gets to Mike Cameron level because yeah. we haven't seen anything Not quite there yet. that suggests he's going to get there yet. I mean, well, actually, now I'm looking at the he's had his good stretch, some really good stretches this year that have have, have pumped him yeah. up to near Cameron. I mean, it's just the power is not there right now. I mean, 16 stolen bases though is is exciting. Still elite speed, you know. Defense guarantees his spot. Yeah. Uh, Buxton, you know, you can talk yourself into him. Guy, I just don't think that uh, I want him too hard. That's yeah, yeah, and and the the price has to be like I, I, it's again one of those one of those situations where if the guy's trying to sell me on on the highest end of him, I'm saying no thanks. I but yeah, I, I don't want. I'll, I'll pay something reasonable. Like I understand that the the, the other league owner's not going to give him away for free, but you can't you can't charge me anywhere near full freight on that. So I would consider it. Um, another veteran type that I probably would be interested in is Ian Desmond. Uh, because he still has three years in Colorado, mm-hmm. and he's dealt with some injuries. And um, Gerardo Parra had a tough year there last year, and then now he's bounced back. And uh, not saying that they're one to ones, but like I think once you're healthy and you're playing in that park, you just you you, you got to be good. And Parra struggled through injuries last year, so that's the only reason I'm equating he and Desmond. So and I would look at Desmond. Placement and, and and WRC Plus are going to underrate him, I think, because they I think they unfairly penalized Rockies. Mm-hmm. So if you got All a right, let's talk some... user, they might look at that. One last one, uh, Kyle Schwarber. Uh, oh yeah, I... another one that if we didn't bring up, they'd freak I out. I think he'd be Mike Napoli. I think he. I think Mike Napoli is my name for him. That's that's a far cry from where people put him though. So yeah, he is Mike Napoli, which is but it's still acquirable, you know. No, I understand that. I'm just saying, like, my whole point is that he's always been so damn overrated, and now you're coming down to such a normal level like Mike Napoli. Okay, fine. I can get behind that. Mm-hmm. But he was treated like freaking Babe Ruth, just so overdrafted, and I don't know. And then every time he gets a base hit, nine pieces go up on the Internet about how he's turning it around. <laughs> Kyle Schwarber got a base hit to the opposite field. Looks like he's getting some oppo power now. No, no. Okay. He's a good power guy. Got a lot of work to do. Still has some upside, but it's not nearly as rich as as people. I might consider uh, buying high on Gary Sanchez and Wilson Contreras. Just to have catchers? I mean, I think that they're going to be like as soon as this year or next year. This, you know, they're at least top three. The creams, yeah. The position. They're young. I still won't. I'm too scared of catchers, but I I, I see what you're going for. I mean, Especially if it's two catcher league to have to to have one that you can hold on to, um, well, and then you know then you go into the draft and say I'm just going to buy some one dollar guys. Austin Barnes, know? yeah, yeah. What if you could like maybe if you have one, go get the other and then just 
in a dynasty wow. league have your catcher set for a decade. I don't Might know. Cost you so much you to know. do that you got nothing else going on though. I mean, if you're if you're selling, <laughs> you got some pieces. You can go buy one of them with your best pieces. If if you haven't sold yet, you haven't sold anything, but you're not you're in seventh, and it's just not. There's no hope. You got two three pieces that you can make a, a the centerpiece of the deal to go get one of those guys, assuming you have the other between Gary Sanchez and Wilson Contreras. So I, I see what you're saying on that. Let's talk a few pitchers. They're unintentionally all from the AL East. Uh, so I will bring them up together and actually get your favorite of the bunch and then any other names that you're interested in. Kevin Gosman, Masahiro Tanaka, and Aaron Sanchez. Of these three, who are you most likely to go out and buy low on from a dynasty standpoint? So let's agree. What has Gosman done? He has... Sucked. Uh, yeah, but uh, in the good in the good times. No, okay. The, the okay, recent okay. good times. Um, He's gone to sinker more often and thrown yeah. the splitter more than he ever has he's got a splitter feel is is, is coming um that that's what the reports seem to be after every good start is that the feel for his splitter was there and he's throwing it as much as he's ever thrown it and it's getting the most whiffs as, as much many whiffs as he's ever gotten from it 25 percent whiffs and he's throwing it nearly 40 percent of the time so that's a good combo. I mean, to, to be able to still get all those whiffs while you're still you're throwing it so much. Um, there's at least an explanation for what's happening. And I do like, actually, the idea that this is coming from hiding his fastball more because he has a straight-ass four-seam fastball. And I think, you know, let me look at this. I'm sure the isolated power against it is off the charts. Uh, Probably like 7,000. Well, yeah. 277 ISO right now. 7,000, just like uh, I said. And the last four months of last year was over 200. Uh, so he's basically running a 200 ISO on that four seam. So why keep throwing it? You know, why keep throwing the thing that's fast when, you know, your splitter has uh, much better numbers and, you know. I, so he needs to go sinker splitter. Yeah, I guess so. Uh, Although, I mean, he, he's going to use the four seam, but if he if he did like a kind of reverse Porcello, 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 that guy. It's Porcello, but you can say Porcello. <laughs> if he did a reverse Porcello where he uh, found the sinker and used the, the four seam for whiffs, you know, you know, uh, kind of um, normalized or, or found some good mix between his four seam and sinker, I think that could be good for him. It's just too okay. predictable with... He was at 60-70% forcing usage and I mean I know he's It was so frustrating yeah. to watch him throw it that often. Yeah, and it gets it gets whooped so. Um, um, okay, so okay, the, so the other Tanaka, names? Tanaka Tanaka and Aaron Sanchez. So Tanaka another underperformance guy and then Sanchez the the new blister god taking over for Rich Hill and uh he's had basically a lost season. I mean I'm not sure you can expect anything the rest of this year, but which of those two do you like best? You know what? I think uh, I think Sanchez is easiest again to pull out the guy at the bottom. Take Sanchez, put him out the bottom. Uh, he's a two pitch guy. Never really found a, a third pitch. The changeup's not that good. You weren't too hyped on him coming into the year, no. were you? And I didn't think so. I was a little bit higher on on well, Sanchez. It, you know, his strikeout rate drops in half third time through the order. And and it's not very good to begin. In terms with. of his career, he's in the sort of third time of the order of his career. So this is when we need to look for an adjustment from him. And we mm-hmm. really haven't seen it. And now 47% uh, ground ball rate is just uh, is just not good. I mean, it's 
I'm going to push back a little bit on using any of his numbers this year, though. Yeah. With the blisters and everything, we haven't, we haven't seen a right Aaron Sanchez at any point. That said, I think you can even point to issues from his, his big 2016 as reasons not to be so hyped on Aaron Sanchez. So I, I will allow that, but the... Uh, um, the jury should strike from the record the usage <laughs> of the ground ball rate. Well, then, I mean, it's Tanaka's a bit of a weird sustained. Uh, guy to put in here because he's old. I mean, maybe he's less old than Older. Him. He's like 29, I think. Well, I mean, he's not like real person old. I'm just talking about 28. Old. No, no, baseball yeah. old. I, I know, but but compared to those two, turning, turning he is 29 older. next year. Um, he's been better recently, right? Mm, yeah, up and down. He'll have two good and then have one. It's kind of like Gossman, though. And that's kind of why I put him right. in. Like, let's see here. You know, another one that for, for July. I mean, in June and July, his strikeout rate has soared. Twenty-seven. His strikeouts and you know what he did. You know what he's done. Tanaka's taken over the mantle for uh, Michael Pineda, mm. in that he'll have amazing strikeout to walk ratio numbers that you love, but the homers and um, and then the hits will will determine his outings. Mm. I mean, that's that's exactly what it's been these last couple months. Let me look at this. So he's either great or terrible. He's, he's nothing in between. He's, he's going to make me look like a fool because he's probably throwing the splitter of more or something. And it'd be like the same thing as Tanaka. I mean, as uh, Gossman. No, he's throwing his slider more than any other pitch. Oh, wow. And, but it is similar in that he's stopped throwing his fastballs. Because it was. I mean, wow, it was so dude. In July. If you're. Whoa, dude! In July, he's throwing his fastball, his four seam, eleven percent, and sinker fourteen percent. Holy crap! So he's using the slider as a fastball, and his slider is not that good. Okay, so Doc is he using the split finger as a as a fastball, and then the slider? I mean, I don't think so. I don't think you can really like locate that. I mean, maybe it's if there's some he throws a slider and a cutter, so maybe there's some gray area there where he's actually throwing the cutter as a fastball. Sure. If you're unfamiliar with what a um, hanging fastball is, if that sounds like an interesting phrase to you because you're used to hearing that for for, cur- for breaking pitches, go watch Tanaka, and you'll see what a hanging fastball looks like. Just this 90-mile-per-hour – or like 92-mile-per-hour piece of garbage that just floats up there. It looks so slow and bad and just gets hammered. That's why he's not throwing it. Uh, that's why he's moving away from his four-seamer um, with good reason. But it's been so inconsistent. I was really hyped on Tanaka coming into this year, and it wasn't just the spring training. That that only emboldened me to make him my AL Cy Young pick, which is still going to come through, by the way. There's two months left in the season. You guys are stupid if you don't think that he's still going to win the Cy Young. Um, he's going to get that hit rate under 10 and then we're off to the races with Tanaka for Cy Young. So keep that in mind, but I also am still concerned about him going forward. So uh, rank those three then, Gossman, Tanaka, Sanchez. I, I'm blown away by this. I don't think there's anybody. It's kind of in a way doing. <laughs> Are you going to write about it? Huh? you going to write about it? Uh, I kind of want to now. You kind of should. You kind of should. Uh, I, about, I, I just, uh, there's nobody in, like, there are people throwing cutters as fastballs, but there's nobody throwing 30% fastballs. This is this. He's he's my 80% breaking ball guy or my 80% non-fastball guy that I wrote a, wrote about. And mm-hmm. now that I've got it, I'm I'm uh, shunning him. 
you're, you're, yeah, he's what you want, and now you're, you're well, 29 away years and old, and he can't throw his fastball anymore. I just, there's too much his old, elbow's falling apart. There's too much old uh, baseball in me being like, yeah, uh, he can't. And also, I just, uh, uh, as, a, as an acquirer, at least Gossman's young. I'm going to go Gossman, okay. Sanchez, Tanaka. Okay. And then um, a couple other guys. John Gray. He is oh, I, I'd have him not been good. Okay, well, give me some thoughts on on John Gray here. Well, I mean, if you're going to give Sanchez some some uh, leeway for his foot, it's a completely fair point. Know. Yeah. So, so don't issue. get don't get hung up on the numbers of John Gray this year. Thirty seven innings, injury riddled. Uh, I don't know why the swinging strike rate is down. I wonder. I wonder if he's struggling to. Maybe not finishing pitches. It was a foot injury, yeah. and I wonder if, yeah. if if it's one of those things. Yeah, there's some command because... stuff going on. Maybe I put him behind Gossman, but maybe not. I mean, actually, you know, Gossman's only like you know eight months older or something. So, oh yeah, no, the, I, I would honestly, I think I would. St- as hard as I've been on Gossman this year, it's only because I'm such a fan and, and Baltimore I'm just disappointed. Scores, though, like you know, equally as crap. The ALNO of each other, pretty yeah. much. Yeah, that that's fair too. I'm I'm still holding out hope for. Um, Kevin Gosman getting traded for Steve Clevenger and then becoming an ace. <laughs> a la yeah, in Cleveland that'd be amazing. So yeah, just get just get him somewhere. I like the else. Pirates that, move, right? The Pirates go get yes. someone who's struggling on a tough park. Can they? Can they get him? That would be my dream. I was saying that they're going to sign Pineda, and all of a sudden Pineda's going to be an ace. Oh, I I, I <laughs> completely agree. I was saying last year that they would trade for him when he was when he was pitching pretty poorly. I mean, he had a four sixty seven ERA. I was like. Because they get they have a train between the Yankees and the Pirates anyway, oh so they take they take the old Yankees trash and turn it into gold. So that that would be amazing too. I would love that. Take Tanaka and Pineda. Fine, just put them in PNC. Put everyone in PNC. That's that's where they pitch well. You know, you got any other names here on on buy low pitchers for dynasty leagues? Uh, you know, I think uh, I think almost always I'm trying to get a bat. I'm trying to send pitching and get a bat in dynasty leagues. Hundred percent. I think that. The pitching that you should get should be your third best piece in in any or second best piece in any in any deal you do, and should not really be the focus. And I think what we can help more with in in those terms is what you should do in August and September, which pitchers are sort of fringy that make you know step to the forward, kind of like that Lamet style, you know guys that'll yes. be dropped that you should pick up because you know a run of three or four good starts with with uh you know the right sort of changes might be uh, exactly what they need but they could go drill cotton so keep that in mind we will tell you about those guys but keep in mind they could go cotton i mean that, that, that's what's so frustrating about pitching i mean just try to build your do the cubs don't do the mets do the cubs that's that is the way to go tigers please listen to that when you rebuild just go hitting 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 but they they're obsessed with hard throwing college pitchers so the rebuild will be a nightmare <laughs> anyway you know we're gonna get out of here uh i'll be seeing you next week on friday we're having uh, the class trip the 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 company outing to saber seminar in boston we will st- still be recording uh early in the week though right when what day are you moving again uh thursday Thursday. So you move, you move the normal day we would record. Let's record on the first after the trade deadline. Yeah. Or second. First or second. 
I actually have something on the first that might conflict. What we will hammer it out. We will still be podcasting next week, though. Is the main point. Maybe we can do a later one. Okay, let's do Wednesday then. Let's just let's just say. Well, we could do a later one on Tuesday. Uh, how late? Like night? Yeah, after like the I'm game? at or oh. I'm at a game, so like five o'clock my time. Hey, we don't need to do this here. We'll figure it out. The, we will That's talk true. to you That's next true. week. <laughs> All right, bye. Thanks for listening. Say it, you know, tell them. There you go.